1: About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies i depend on in the field game changer calls the gc was designed with all hunting callers in mind though elk is the intended target the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well it is not designed to replace your tube or open reeds, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field Burris optics fine with matters proudly made in the usa hoffman boots If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios. Initial ascent. Expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand. And that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers. Ultralight light element protection for your gear stay on your game for more brands we run and trust jump on westerncontours.com partners page look for the code western contours and save a few dollars off your order
2: i'm live are you gonna kick this off I,
1: you know, hey, we're already recording, buddy. <laughs> so I figured that'd be pretty okay. funny. How do two podcasters uh, plan on, well, I guess, what
2: is it? A co-podcast, dual podcast? I don't know how. They... A dual <laughs> podcast? I, I don't know. It's, it's it's telling me I need permission from you to record, though.
1: Okay, so you're going to record on Zoom? Uh, it's not asking me. Either way, I, I mean. <laughs> yeah it's not <laughs> we'll this peas is in a pod yeah well what i'll do is i'll send you the file if because uh, it's not asking me anything uh record okay yeah i could just say i'll send you the file i think perfect that'll, that'll work that'll ease some of our pain
2: <laughs> probably turn out a little better than that way
1: yeah i think the zoom i mean zoom is great to, as a medium but i i prefer to run this thing into audition and do what i do you know
2: yeah. Yeah. And I, I, exactly. And, and zoom, zoom has been great for me, but I noticed like with this Squadcast thing, I can, it gives me two separate MP3 files and I load them in audacity and it lines them up perfectly. And so if like my guest is quiet, I can adjust their level right without mm-hmm. messing with mine. And it, it, just it turned, there's like less cutting out and all that kind of stuff. So it's been great other than it doesn't work with iOS stuff yeah. yet yeah they, so that's, hopefully they're gonna they're gonna change that, that
1: I, that's the message that they kept sending me and like i told you everything i have is apple based so but that's the reason i use yeah. audition the same reason you use audacity is so you can have those those dual tracks lens yeah for a, yeah, lens exactly. for a better sound yeah, i
0: don't
1: podcast for sure so i guess i'll kick it off on my end man i'm on with uh jim okay. huntsman Western Huntsman podcast. What's up brother? Yeah, buddy.
2: (laughs) Good to be here, man. I'm actually, I'm really excited about this one. This is going to be cool. And uh, why I it's, it's, it's always fun when we're, I'm talking to like somebody who's doing what I'm doing. Uh, another hunting podcaster, guy after my own heart, right there. And, and, uh, the Guy, I appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely, man. Same. And, you know, that, that's, uh, echoes from my end, man. Um, it'll be cool. You know, it's, it's, this is gonna, we, we better preface it, man. This is, uh, there's no script, there's no bullets, there's no anything. We're like, I just get on and shoot the mess <laughs> about podcasting and hunting and see where it goes. Yeah,
2: for sure yeah i i I have no plans i have no plans on this i am just here and we're gonna i i imagine two guys that like to get behind a microphone and gab we'll we'll never run out of stuff to talk about so i think we're we're in good shape
1: it uh it could get scary (laughs) it could
2: get scary we might put some people might crash their vehicles man
1: listen and driving you know make sure you
2: hold over before you listening to this yeah
1: yeah we, we apologize if we either right. drag on or put you to sleep one or the other
2: so guy what like where are you at i know you're in california but i i actually don't know where you're at in california so i
1: am just outside of la uh i'm uh i border orange county just north of long beach in a little uh blue collar town of lakewood
2: oh cool Cool. How long have you been there?
1: My entire life, bud. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure. And that. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry, man.
2: That's no. That's that's okay. I think we got a little bit of a delay, but we'll we'll work with it here. I just i I've been curious about this with you uh, for a long time because. Um. I've kind of ragged on California a few times on my show. <laughs> I ragged and, on California. And it's,
0: it's, it's, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know you do. I've heard you. <laughs> and so I, have I've been curious, like, what is it like being a Californian and a hunter and, and like kind of walk us? What is, what does that
1: look like? You know, it, it really depends on, your level of giving a shit. You know what I mean? I don't know how you are about language. Um, I've heard you go a couple times, but I got to watch my mouth sometimes. Um, but it really depends on, you know, how much you give a crap about that opinion. Um, you know, and I will, and I will say that talking to the amount of people that I talk to uh, via the podcast and social and things like that, is i think the portrayal of california uh even from some of the other you know we'll call it blue states or liberal states uh the portrayal is of this madhouse of you know libertarianism um and and you can't even breathe and that's really not the case um it is it is phenomenal to realize that you can hunt within 20 minutes of, you know, downtown Los Angeles and, and people don't, uh, people don't get it. Um, but all in all you are, you know, it's, you could be in a room of 10 people and you would never know that nine of those other people are hunters. Uh, there's not a people that, uh, you know, like to have the conversation or announce it, um, because of the, the mindset, And it's not so much anti hunting as it is uh, not understanding that the opportunity is in front of them or being exposed to it. Uh, if you look at the LA basin, I mean, it is, I'm going to call it uh, 85 to 90% urban, um, you know, folks mm-hmm. will be in the mountains here and not even realize that there's deer. So, you know, outside of that, man, you know, again, do you really care about that opinion? I mean, the, the the biggest thing for me is making sure that I share it in a light that isn't a detriment to our demographic. Um, but besides that, man, you know, you, you got to care about that opinion before you. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, for sure. That's it's interesting how you said that. Like the, the the maybe maybe the perceptions of of people that don't live in California are a little off base because like guys like me sometimes we we sit we sit here thinking that man what is it when you when you're living in california hunting aside <laughs> do you have to like be careful when you go to the grocery store about what gender you call somebody and and like what no. what law you might break and and stuff like that you know what i mean it, right. it just it seems like that i think the media has a the, lot to do with that the,
1: you know it's funny because you know with this this last week and a half, right? I mean, it's 2020, it's COVID, right? The year of uh the year of rhetoric, I like to call it at this point. Um yeah. and I had people go, Oh God, you guys are on lockdown again. And I'm like, Well, that's news to me, buddy, because I'm in, you know, probably the worst county with all of that. And uh I haven't uh haven't felt any recent lockdown. So it's really, it's really uh, odd the betrayal. Um as far as the other Part of your inquiry there, uh, <laughs> I gotta wonder when I go to the store. Sometimes <laughs> you look around, you go, "Oh man, hey dude, uh, you're gonna, you might have, you know, get a yeast infection or something." Them jeans are a little bit tight, buddy. So uh, you know,
2: <laughs> yeast infection even. Yeah, it's no, a, it's, it's it's a weird, it's one, a man. perception thing, man. It, I, I it is it is because I I have a I have a friend that I grew up with that moved to West Hollywood and oh, uh, he oh is oh he's so oh. extreme left. Like, we don't even we are our, our radars wouldn't even connect in outer space like he's just super uber liberal right. kind of dude that uh and so i i think that's part of my perception too and it, it's it kind of some of that saddens me too because california would be a kick-ass hunting state like there is some good hunting in california
1: oh dude and word. i think people way miss underrated. the mark on it yeah we're yeah. way way underrated man the opportunity think about it right and i say it all the time this is the only place In the world where you can come hunt a a tule elk um yeah you know we have phenomenal uh mule deer populations um and and great i mean great class of bucks um you know if you look at our a zone is a over-the-counter a uh, tag that that starts in you know usually in July and runs all the way through October you start off in archery you can go into rifle on one tag you're not having to pick a weapon so if you fail on archery you could you know take your rifle out and hunt with your rifle and it's man it's close yeah. to a third of the balance of the I mean you're talking from the five freeway all the way to the coast from basically the LA county, ventura line plus or minus all the way up just shy of the bay area i mean this is a huge zone with it's yeah that is a huge zone. you know huge opportunity in it man um is so,
2: there is there non-resident tags available for that oh yeah over it's the o- counter it's
1: over the counter over the counter wonder i mean what, look at the pig wonder what
2: that would cost i uh,
1: it's it's fairly inexpensive for that for that tag and a non-resident i want to say that it's and and please don't you know people don't crucify me if i'm wrong it's less than four hundred dollars or right in that zone um, gotcha but if you I'm can gonna hunt, look into that man yeah if you can hunt from you know starting in july it's miserable right because you well if you're coastal it's not as bad right you're looking at 70s to maybe 90s um the area i hunt you're you know we're over 100 110 115 degrees um out there you know that it's an eight week archery season. So you're out there, you know, melting away. Um, But all those perceptions aren't wrong. I'll I'll give you that. Right. Because it, it is, there is a level of uh, lack of a better word extremist when it comes to the liberal mindset. And I don't know that Mm -hmm. most folks realize how heavily influenced they've been. Um, but I have seen in the last year, I have seen quite a bit of turn, um, to a conservative mindset, you know, like what are they really doing now? And, and it's starting to become more and more prevalent, which is nice for a, you know, non-liberal guy.
2: Well, and 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 like for me I'm not I, I I could care less about Republican versus Democrat i I really could care less about that what I care about is when it's like this fanatical extreme version of liberalism and and because they're so in your face with everything and uh, you, you know what I mean and so but I I want to look into that tag you were talking about uh because that I could like it it'd probably be fair to say that I could Leave the wife and kids in a hotel near Disneyland and let them have a ball and I can go hunt. right? Yeah. Well, okay. so
1: you could, but it's going to be a little bit of a drive, right? So Disneyland is is just outside of L.A., which is Southern California. So you're looking at probably a two hour drive from Disneyland to get into a zone. Um, It's not a bad drive um okay but you know well, i just leave them
2: in a hotel I'll go camp on the road somewhere yeah
1: and the plus is so you know you come down here with that tag and a lot of that zone uh there's opportunity for pig as well so you get you know you kill two birds with one zone grab that pig tag because who doesn't want to hunt you know pig um yeah that'd be that'd be fun yeah little a little difficult in a lot of the public land areas um but I've seen better numbers in the last year than I've seen in probably five or six years. Um, What are the
2: crowds like? What's the hunting pressure look like?
1: You know, it really depends on where you go, man. Uh, That's one of the reasons I like to go to my little inland spot um, because of the heat. Uh, Keeps everybody at bay until rifle season. So, you know, we'll be out every weekend. It's a weekend hunt thing for us for that. I spend spend my time, you know uh for elk as far as like you know taking off of work and whatnot so we'll be out every weekend Mm -hmm. and we may run into three or four different hunters this year we didn't see anyone else last year i want to say we saw two guys in that area that we're in um and most people don't come back 115 degrees it's 100 degrees in the morning at 9
2: a.m it's it sucks (laughs) Uh, man i'll bet taking care of your meat's a little interesting in that that kind of situation (laughs) it's it's a run i mean it's
1: an absolute it's a run you know what i mean you're if that animal's down you are you're boogieing and uh it it yeah it's scary it's a little Holy difficult cow. you know there's ways to deal with it but yeah. you know the, if the, you got a little bit of shade but it's pretty pretty sparse country
2: well everywhere you hunt has its own unique challenge in in one way or the other whether it's the the climate or distance or you know terrain whatever the so it's just take what you take you know yep yep it uh
1: cool I haven't lost one yet. You know what I mean? But you know, you shoot it and it's literally, you know, get it back to the vehicle, get it on ice. And for me, you know, it's a done hunt, right? We're just out of there. So you're booking it. But yeah, it's a a phenomenal opportunity. I love that tag has beat my butt the last three years because I'm chasing a single buck and it's so wide open country that man, it's difficult to get on them and um, they go bed on private. and Yeah. But it's a it's a fun hunt, man. It, it it will test every bit of your mental.
2: I I just think it'd be cool to be like, yeah, I've uh, I've hunted California. As long as you as long as <laughs> so, you don't
1: come in the tight pants and lose your uh, your Idaho and credibility, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I shouldn't wear any skinny jeans or anything like that? It fit in just fine. man. <laughs> I'm not sure I would want to be
1: around you, but.
2: <laughs> so you, you spend a lot of time traveling out of, out of California to hunt too, huh?
1: Yeah. This last, you know, last couple of years, man, um, with, you know, my daughter graduated college and my boys, you know, in college now. Um, so it's afforded me the time that I didn't have previously. Right. They both were athletes and i wasn't willing to sacrifice those moments for my the pursuit of my passion uh, of course i'm more passionate about my children um so it was you know weekend hunts if i could get a week i get a week and once uh once my boy said yeah i'm not gonna play football anymore i looked at the wife and i'm like okay this is what i this is what i said when he's done it's on so man i just been the last nice. three years i've just been going this year was probably the longest i've had um, absolutely the longest I've had concurrently. And I, you know, it's just going to escalate from there. Just the wife and I, man, it's, uh, it's something else. It's, it's a lovely thing. <laughs> Love my kids to death, but it it's been really it, is man. Oh brother, <laughs> you know, it's, cause you it's
2: that it's one of those things like the, as hard, as hard as it can be sometimes to like, get older and start accepting how old you're getting kind of thing, you know, which is what I've been going through lately. And, but, but the benefits to that are, you know, I find myself and my kids are still at home, but they're not little babies anymore, you know? And so I've, I've got quite the range of, of all all four of my daughters at age wise. And so it's, it's cool because I now, um, I have a lot more time. I have a lot more of the, the the financial side, where I can I can spend more time in the woods and I could get tags that I wasn't able to get when I was younger. Uh, I don't have a four hundred dollar diaper bill every month, um, you know that that kind of stuff. And so there's there's definitely perks to it. Heck yeah! What uh, what ages are your girls? I've got nine, eleven. 19
1: and 22. So yeah, yeah, that was a quite a gap there back, not back (laughs) to back, but you know, close, close enough to be back to back a gap and then, and then back at it. They, uh, any of them in the woods with you?
2: Yeah. My, uh, my nine and 11 year old, um, they are, they're way into it. My 19 year old was, uh, she, she was actually with me last year when I whacked that bowl and that was the first experience she'd ever had. And it was cool. Cause I took the ivories and I, I had this really cool necklace made out of the ivories and, and gave it to her for Christmas last year. And it she opened it and started crying. So it was like one of the best present, uh, reactions I've ever seen out of any of my kids. And, and so that, that was cool. That was way cool. And, uh, But, but my girls, my younger two, uh, which, which I call them my younger. So my, my older two, uh, are, are basically out of the house, um, and and I adopted them. And so they are now spreading their wings and making their way into the world. And they're not on the payroll anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, right. That never stops. <laughs> <laughs> that never it's stops. been good for like like six months or so. It's been pretty good. I haven't yeah. I haven't had to fork out any money. I, I I'm with you though. I don't think that's gonna last. it so, does it. It doesn't uh, last. My, Yeah, yeah. So, but my younger two, they got to they got to experience their first hunt. Uh, Well, I say first hunt, first successful hunt. They actually got to see a deer go down uh, about a week ago, and that that was super special for me. Uh, Because they've been with me for, they, they helped me track an elk this last September for like three and a half miles and in some nasty country too. And, and they hung in there. And I just, I never wanted to be one of those parents that like forces the hunting on them. Uh, But if, if they're interested, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to exploit their interest and I'm going to, I'm going to take them. So they, they've, uh, they've been really, really Good so far.
1: Did you notice anything as your, as your older girls got older? Um, I'm always really curious, right. With the way that we're connected now, um, and I've I've talked to a couple people where, you know, their kids have been around hunting, you know, their entire life, and as they got older, because of that connection to the outside world, they didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Uh, to say that they were against it, but had some opinions of it that were kind of surprising to me, uh, being raised in a hunting family.
2: You know, I. I don't really I haven't noticed it if there has I think that for them um it's just always been a part of our life you know we've always we've always had deer meat we you know dad's always bringing home a, a, a you know wild game and making a bloody mess in the shop and uh you know whatever and so it's just always been like a part of their life for all four of them um and I th- so my oldest she's dating like this vegan dude. And, and I think that I, I am sure that that has created some issues uh, because, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I'm so into hunting. I do a podcast about it. Right,
0: right. <laughs> so, talk about it you every know, day. And, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so that's been an interesting dynamic. And so he's one of those, he's one of those dudes. He's, he's like, we had a pizza with pepperoni on it and he's, taking a paper towel and dabbing the, the pepperoni juices off the top of the pizza. Cause he doesn't want to have any kind of meat kind of thing. And that was super odd in my house. Right. Y- you know what I mean? That was super odd, but whatever.
1: Now, um, that would be a really interesting conversation, but I'm going to jab at you because you, you know, you have an opinion of California, but, but here you are supporting a vegan with slices of pizza, buddy.
2: <laughs> Sounds like you've already, you got, 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 this, point.
1: You already got the you, Birkenstocks and skinny jeans going yeah, up there. <laughs> you, oh man, you're not
2: kidding. It's, it's uh it's a, it, it, it's kind of a fruity situation. I, I don't, I don't really know how to act around uh, them. A, at this point. And so I just try to, you know, tread lightly or whatever, but, uh, it is what it is. (laughs) I, you're, there is a higher, um, number of that age group that, that kind of generation where they're, they're into that shit, man. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is with my younger two, I I don't want them to be you know heavily exposed to that kind of stuff. I want them to the, I want them to see the the circle of life in the woods and and how how this meat ends up in our freezer. And if if they want to pursue it, then I'm going to I'm going to exploit that and make sure they pursue it with us, but I'm not I don't want to force it either. Right. Cuz I don't want them to hate me for it, you know? Yeah. Because my younger two, they're way into animals. They love animals. All animals are cute and want to, they want to have every freaking pet you can think of. Mm -hmm. And it's just, so I was kind of concerned that they'd feel bad for the animal, but they, no, they were like, they were like ready to go again. They're like, okay, let's go get another deer. Let's go do this. And and, and a lot of that,
1: you know, cause I, and I think most hunters are enamored with most animals. Right. Um,
2: I, I, I agree. I, I am a, I am a huge animal lover.
1: Right. And I think that that that's
2: the, uh,
1: that's the dilemma in most people's heads right is how can you do that you know if you love an animal how can you do that and it's it that circle of life exposure that you're talking about i i would love to hear you talk to the boyfriend on an episode and just just some you know friendly banter back and forth and and allow people to understand that have that perspective. So my wife walks in the other day, she goes, you'd have been proud of me. And I said, well, what's up? She goes, well, um, I had a conversation with, uh, with her assistant Acting assistant, and he's a vegan. Birkenstocks, the whole nine. Um, oh wow! And what, uh, what is
2: this Birkenstocks you keep saying? Oh,
1: dude, just t- just Google it. You'll you'll
2: laugh. <laughs> they're ha,
1: they're the preferred, not pull that up right now. They're the preferred sandal, in my opinion. <laughs> 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 it, it's it's really horrible. Oh, okay, it's really horrible generalization of my uh on my part, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh i see what you're saying okay i just pulled it up oh man yeah you wouldn't get away you'd get your you'd get your ass whooped wearing that around here
1: you wouldn't you wouldn't wear those in camp buddy no <laughs> so uh oh. so yeah so she you know she talks to him and explains the process to him um and, and his thing was factory farming. right? That's that's what he was opposed to. And it's funny, you know, talking to her and listening to his perspective through her. Somehow the factory farming is tied into all meat right yeah it it, it doesn't matter if it's you know free range or you know we're out hunting it's tied into it so i was pretty proud i wasn't pretty proud i was very proud of her for for having that conversation as a non-hunter having that conversation to a vegan non-hunter that has no clue um but i think yeah again man going back to it you should have you should have that conversation and see where that goes, just hit record. I'm
2: certainly, I'm certainly not opposed to that. And I think it'd be a tall order to try to get him on in particular, but I I, I've actually put it out there that if there are people that are anti hunting and vegans, because the, the, one of the foundational basis of my show was to, you know, Put up more of an aggressive fight against this anti-hunting movement that, that comes out and and tries to dictate to us what we can and can't do in our life. And so that that's been part of the part of the process for me. But um, I would definitely have that conversation. And you're right; you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Where they they have this tendency to rope all. Um, meat eater type people into this factory farm that's like their go-to thing right is they always they always fall back on this this factory farm thing and it's like you know i i I could promise you right now my friend i don't farm anything and and well that's gonna change i'm gonna i'm getting chickens in like two months so i gotta love them uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've had them before, and and uh, it's it, my wife's cracking the whip for me to finish the chicken coop. Um, I've been hesitant though, man. I got a lot of Yodis around here. Yeah, it's and, and, so and there's I'm,
1: some work. They are some work.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I I feel like I need to clear out some uh, coyotes first, and because it's going to be chitty, chitty, bang bang if <laughs> if I let them get in there. But yeah. anyway, the point being like, you know, factory farming is, is like this big uh, bowl of soup that they put all hunters into. And, and it's not, it, it's such a different world. It's not even comparable. And so they don't understand not to sound, you know, mean or anything, but they don't sound how stupid they, they, they don't know how stupid they sound, right. I guess.
1: Right. Yeah, comparison yeah and it's really hard it's really hard to not sound mean when you i've asked people too and and if your experience has been like mine trying to get uh trying to get somebody that's anti or vegan or something like that on to actually discuss it it, most times it's like no response you know get those people on instagram um you know, you SOB or how could you do this? How could you do that? And I'll ask like, hey, let's, let's jump on. This is what I, you know, what I do. And let's have a conversation about it, you know, Uh, and not, man, they will not respond.
2: I know. No, I've, I've, I've invited a few of them on the show and I don't even get responses. And (laughs) so it's, and it's, it's because I feel like deep down they know, the, there's really no argument that holds water against our lifestyle. We have the longevity. They're the ones that are new to uh, to to the the world of anti-hunting. That the anti-hunting movement and veganism and all that—that that is what is new to the world, not hunting. And and we have the facts. We have and and these are not emotion-based facts. These are these are actual, true, legitimate uh, facts you know it's it's evidence that could be verified. and so it's they have a hard time arguing. Uh, without just roping it all into some emotional thing about factory farming and how evil it is.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna I'll play devil's advocate, right? Because we kind of do the same thing when we talk about freezer full, and I just want to point that out. When you know, when folks are saying, "Well, it's meat in the freezer," yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it, but it's not the only thing. And and as hunters, to explain this to these people and to maybe not get them roped into our side, but to give them a better understanding, we got to stop with that weak argument and give the entire scope if you will right what really gets it um why Mm -hmm. why we're out there and the values and that's one of the things that i that i harp on man and 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 you know with your podcast that's you, you you have your way of fighting mine was to expose not just to Anti hunters or people that don't get it, but to even the hunting demographic expose more than just, you know, air quote, the grip and grin. Right. Let's talk about yeah. the valuable side of hunting, the values. If you look at hunters, our demographic and yes, there's anomalies and I'm, I'm, I'm broad stroking here, but our demographic With that involvement in in what the circle of life, if you will, right, the values Mm -hmm. that that creates and the struggles and everything that that are created and held so high on the mountain, our value system, in my opinion, man, is second to none. Look around in any outdoor activity and you tell me where you can see the value system that is in the hunting demographic. And I will argue until I'm blue in the face. It doesn't exist now you're, anywhere you're else. Exactly
2: right. now you're exactly right. No, you're exactly right. There is a hunting ethic that that is only alive and well amongst the hunting community. And, and they, they like to try to paint us in this light of a bunch of rednecks out there, you know, throwing Miller light cans on the side of the road. As, as we road hunt and just because because we hate the animals so bad, we just want to shoot them and, and take these pictures and and uh, that that's the end of it. What they don't understand is this is not like we're collecting bottle caps for a collection as a hobby. This is our lifestyle. We plan for these hunts. Our souls are fulfilled by every moment we take out into the woods. We cherish these animals. We know a lot about these animals. We we do things that they could never even fathom. And and why it's right is because that is the history of humans. We we've been doing this for generations and and Eons, yeah, exactly, and so it's 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 so much more broad, like you said, than just filling the freezer, the filling the freezer part is only a nice perk when it's done, and by the way, the meat that I put in my freezer is a lot more healthy than that factory farm meat that those guys complain about and i I, I acknowledge that and i'm I'm not uh I don't argue that that point with them, but I will argue the fact that when <laughs> I as and this is applied to whether you're a man or a woman. But I and I always give this, uh, you know, the the caveat that I'm a man, so I only speak from a man's perspective. I don't know what it is from a woman's perspective, right? And so as a man this is this is what fulfills me this is what my heart longs for all year and there is no better way to connect with nature and the woods and these animals than as a hunter because i guarantee you some bird watcher vegan type does not understand <laughs> mother nature like we do
1: no they there. i you know i say no so so rapidly there um but until you are involved in that circle of life until you have you know that grit and that blood underneath your fingernails, um, mm-hmm. it's it's all it's all so fuzzy, so touchy feely, right? It, it's sunshine and rainbows. Go ask, you know, aunties or those folks. You know, I mean, if you and you hear it all the time, right? If you ask a vegan um, about how much is killed in in the production of you know their their veggies, um, you know they they yeah. don't have an argument. Um, but look at the respect. That you have for the meat that you harvest from that animal you killed versus the the meat that we waste when it's bought from the store. Right. I, I won't let a piece of meat go to waste, man. It I feel horrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I had a steak in the freezer or excuse me, in the fridge. It was cooked, forgot it was in the Ziploc, you know, had it for my lunch. And man, I. Sh- I put it in the microwave and I I probably shouldn't have ate it. My stomach was messed up for about three or four days, but it's like, I can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something about, there's something about the level of respect you have for that meat versus the cellophane foam wrap when you go to the store and, and you don't even know where half of that comes from, right? Everything know, is labeled right? like crazy. I, there's this uh, series, my wife, it's a documentary series on Netflix called Rotten. And what they do is they kind of expose industry basically. Right. Um, there's, there was one on garlic and then there was one on avocados. Um,
2: oh, really? That'd be interesting.
1: It, it, it's it really, really, it's actually a really good, I'm not a TV dude. Right. But this is, it's very interesting. And you look at uh, the garlic one, I would suggest watching because you see how manipulated everything is to get this stuff in the store and what they're saying it is really isn't uh, is it's unbelievable um so you really huh. don't know what you're getting I, i'll tell you this don't ever buy garlic unless it is a hundred percent produced in the united states uh you absolutely okay. do not want what i saw <laughs> Being done Man, with this garlic, dude. That
2: is, it's always <laughs> dangerous just opening up these uh, those kind of windows for me because I'm I'm a naturally suspicious dude. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well, this this series, it I, I I give it to the the folks that came up with it because I would have never thought some of the stuff that they're covering was even a thing, right? I mean, they're talking yeah. about the war. You know, we talk about like Mexico and south of the border and the cartels, and we're thinking drugs. Dude, it's that way in the avocado realm. Um, really? Because of, yeah, because it's such a high dollar uh, produce. At, at one time, it was the number one cash crop of California when Mexico got involved and, we're, and was able to import it just went crazy. Um,
2: That's nuts, dude. It's,
1: it's insane. I mean, you know, like, uh, legit like you cartels. Said, it's,
2: you think of that, like, can you imagine? Because I've always been a little intrigued with uh, Mexican drug cartels. Uh, well, any any Colombian drug cartels, whatever. And and so, like, that'd be an interesting one. Like the avocado
1: true? Uh, drug cartel <laughs> leader
2: or, or avocado cartel leader that, you know, they probably have some dangerous name and they're like, you know, did our did our guacamole make it to the destination? Hey, dude, <laughs> what? no. What is le- that?
1: Legit legitimately like, you know, you're you're you got to watch it. You're poking fun at it? Look, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> dude, no, no, I'm not
2: poking fun at it. I'm, no- I'm poking there is no thought. difference.
1: There's no difference between the dudes that were the cartels trying to manipulate that finance versus the drug kingpins manipulating the other finance. Um, I
2: have to figure out a way to check this show out. Oh, it's so nuts, I, I'm like you, I'm, I'm not much of a TV guy and what makes it even worse for my wife and I is uh, we don't get good enough internet where I live to even get Netflix. We have to get the DVDs mailed uh, in the, in the mail. And so, yeah, so we are like pretty primitive out here and hopefully that's going to change in like the next year, apparently, but we'll, we'll see. But anyway, we, we can't stream, we can't stream a bunch of videos. So we got through one episode of, of, uh, Tiger King whenever, but that was all the rave earlier this year. And, uh, I couldn't stand it. I thought, man, I am, I'm not going to give this douchebag any more time of my life, and because of what we were talking about earlier, I feel like people will pile us into the same group as hunters as like that guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just weird mullet wearing country singer tiger owner guy and, and like because you've, you've all seen the negative the 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 negative connotation of hunters and they've got mullets and they're taking pictures with cigarettes in their mouths and and you know drinking beer and uh that's that's i think part of the imagery that we kind of got to get a, get away, away from. from and that's absolutely. what i grew up doing you know but that's that's uh, what we got to get away from you know
1: that's funny. Cause I, I started seeing that, that tiger King, like the memes and stuff on social. And I had, I was like, what the hell is this? People would send me, i know, me like, too, yeah. who the hell is this guy? Right. Um, and man, I, I, I haven't seen a single episode. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's, we're so polarized it's
2: by
0: bullshit.
2: <laughs> it's ludicrous. Don't even don't even bother. Like I'll it's just me, you know, it, it will make you question and suspicious of just mankind in general. <laughs> I, I mean, I just it, it just was disappointing that I that humans live like that and like the whole. <laughs> Uh, the whole web of these Tiger zoo people, they're so freaking weird. <laughs> and uh, I just I've just never seen. And I i only watched one episode and I've never seen anything like it. And so don't don't bother.
1: Oh, I won't believe me. You know, it's kind of what <laughs> I said earlier. Right. I mean, it's I think it was earlier this year, maybe late last year when that stuff was going all crazy. But, you know, it, it's. And I hate to fall into that category of folks that say it, but it's 2020. It's a perspective thing, but man, it's, it is literally the year of rhetoric. Um, Mm -hmm. it it just, everything has to be, you know, so polarized, polarizing on one side or the other, and there's no middle ground and man, it's just the weirdest, it's a weird kind of time, dude. Um,
2: It is a strange time to be alive. (laughs) You're, you're exactly right. I've been talking about that a little bit on my show. I feel like and I love social media and all that, you know, I, I I like to use it and obviously it's, it's great for my show and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like it's like the, one of the root factors for all this polarization and it's, it's like made people think that they could say things that they wouldn't say in person to each other. Absolutely. You know, and there's like no consequences either.
1: No, no. And
2: so, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just been a big contributor to that. And I
1: uh, You know, I have to agree, right? I mean, it's the only way that we've been able to make these connections um, on either side, right? And and what's funny is you would think <laughs> you would think that you would f- scrutinize who you're following or who you allow to follow you if you have a private account. But everybody – I shouldn't say everybody. I'm generalizing, blah, 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 uh, caveats there. But everybody is – looking for that like or that follow so we don't filter what we're exposing ourselves to right but yeah Mm -hmm. generally we are drawn to one side or the other um but it's just—it's a very strange dynamic, man. Where you know it's—it's it's either this extreme or that extreme, and this kind of filters in because I didn't, you know, I didn't look at this person before I decided to follow him just because it was somebody that was following me, and I can up my numbers, and just a, it's it's freaking
2: strange, dude. I'm I'm it to the is, point it's where such it's such like, a weird dynamic. Oh man, you know it's uh, I'm like, sheesh. I'm worried. I sometimes I'm worried about like I'll post something and then. Uh, I'll get off of Facebook, for example, and I'll be off for you know a few hours and then I'm almost nervous to get back on to see if what, what especially on some of my I've done some controversial episodes, you know, and they uh, I, I jump on there and man, I'll have like private messages and direct messages that are just nasty as I'll get out my inbox will start filling up. Um, on uh, with through my email and which is which is fine. And I don't mind debating and I don't mind having, you know, differing opinions and stuff. But people get so nasty. And I always look at it like I remember, uh, you know, 20 years ago when uh, when I'm in the service out in North Carolina, we'd all go out to this bar and it was a super rowdy bar. And there were fist fights like every time you go out there and all this stuff. They had dollar beer nights. So when you don't have a lot of money, you go to dollar beer night. And I, I, I've, I've kind of pictured it like, what if people talk to each other on social media? Um, what if they took that kind of tone with people in a bar like that? Like I remember yeah, the people wouldn't do that in, in person. No consequences because you know, because facebook's like being in a bar it feels like everybody's just wasted and drunk and they'll say whatever the hell they want and there's no consequences and 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 whatever but but can you imagine the way some people talk to uh, us or and other people on facebook uh if they if they translated that in, in real time in real person in, in like a bar or a restaurant or a you know any kind of public gathering uh, people be getting some black eyes man
1: oh for sure oh for sure you know, <laughs> you know and that's the, that's funny too right because you know that everyone everyone wants this freedom of speech with no repercussion um but they're not going to bring mm-hmm. it you know like i like to say they're not going to bring it to my front door um yeah. It just, you know what I mean? It's just like, come on, man. You you don't, you wouldn't have the balls to do it in front of me. You know, you wouldn't have the balls to say it in front of me. You wouldn't have the conversation like you're having it in front of me. Um, you know, and then they always revert yeah. to, especially the keyboard warriors, right? They always revert to the, you know, oh, look at how you're acting, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're attacking. Yeah, <laughs> we're just responding,
2: man. We're yeah. just responding, and that's that's another that's another issue with it. It's like, it, you know, just because we don't see eye to eye on something, b- because we might not agree on who should be president, or or this, you know, insert your your social dilemma here, right? And uh, you, you know, we don't have to agree on everything to be friends. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and that's where that polarization comes from. People get. They take it so personal. It's crazy. If, if there's some kind of disagreement anyway, yeah, I, you're getting me off on a rant again. You know, what's funny. Well, let's,
1: let's draw that in. Let's, let's draw hunting into it. Right. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of rhetoric around us and as hunters, you know, we, Another generalization. So people don't want to, you know, say, what are you talking about? Um But we, we don't we,
2: assume anybody's gender.
1: Yeah, we act like we're imper- we're not imp- uh, we're impervious to it. Right. We, we it's we're not that way Um that we can avoid, you know, the air quote brainwash. Uh But we divide yeah. into sex, though we're seen as one from the outsiders. Right. So, you know, cliche as hell, but but we'll fall in a divide um and and because we you know one guy hunts this way or you know he uses he doesn't like you know long range this or wants to shoot a six five you know like dirk said i don't know why everybody has a problem with six five creedmoor in his post today um you know and yeah, then, then you got uh, 20 guys that'll say you know oh, that's six fives a piece of trash but we'll divide ourselves and act like we're impervious to all this bullshit, argue about camos and talk mess about, you know, and and some of it's fun banter, right? Going back and forth. Um,
2: yeah, there's a difference between attacking people and then enjoying some rivalry. And and you're exactly right. And I've said this for a long time. I think the the biggest detriment to hunters, the downfall to hunting is going to be hunters, hunters. Absolutely. Because. Because they, I mean, people. I don't know what it is with that six point five Creedmark, but that thing has like wicked reactions, and I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Who cares? It's a freaking caliber. Uh, you know, it's a it's a rifle or whatever. Well, and
1: just like I, I just you said, don't right? Get it. And it's cliche, right? But but you know, that divide is what's going to conquer us. Um, that is mm-hmm. what will be the detriment of us. And you know, I used to think that. I wouldn't see it in my lifetime. I used to think that my kids would be okay, you know, if they choose to, you know, pursue hunting further down the road, you know, and when the, you, with grandkids, you know, that it was safe. I honestly, after seeing this shit go down in the last year, I'm like, man, we really are threatened and it's happening mm-hmm. a lot faster than I ever would have thought and assumed. I mean, we, we got wolf reintroductions damn near all over the west going you know taking place we have protection of of mountain lions here in california um you know they they protected them until 2025 um saying that you know they they're uh the potential for you know them being in danger which is absolute bs man
2: um, yeah that's garbage
1: they tried to ban any hunting on this sly little bill that they had, uh, any hunting on any enclosed land. So if you had three strand high fence, it it didn't matter. They, they were trying to get this passed under the guise of, uh, we're going to give you a, a, a permit that'll last you for as many pigs as you want. Um, but then you read into the fine print and it was it was an all out ban on hunting, you know, fenced or boundary land that has a physical boundary um, That's nuts. that was put in. Yeah. So <clears throat> my point. Is here we are arguing over BS, thinking that we're impervious to, you know, the, the way, you know, we criticize folks for being so polarized on one side. But here we're doing it and, and we're we're we are our own worst enemy. Like you're saying, we're we're going to be the detriment uh, if it's not just fun banter. But there's bands of people that are serious about it, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually first noticed it years ago when I got into fly fishing. And, uh, I, I, I didn't know that these like super purist elite fly fisher types were so opinionated about every other type of fishing out there. Cause I, I do all sorts of fishing, You you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not picky. If I can catch a fish, I'll do it. And it's legal. I'll do it. And, and, but I, I do love fly fishing and I'm really good at it. And so I really enjoy it, but I, I, I strike up conversations with these purest fly fishermen that just talk so much smack about other fishermen. And it's like, what, who are you to judge somebody if they want to use a nightcrawler? Like it, it we, this is this is the stuff, and then you translate that into the hunting world, where y- you could really micro break that down. You know, you got you got, and and I know I've talked about this a lot lately, but uh, you, you've got a lot of you've got hunters in general, and then you break it down to archery hunters, and I'm a big time archery hunter, uh, but but within the archery hunting community, you have like your trad bow guys, you have your compound bow guys, and and they. they start kind of bickering and and it just it it goes into like all these different levels and and i have just got the opinion that we're all hunters and we we kind of have the same goal and and we have the same pursuit in our in our lifestyle and in our traditions and and we don't need to have like these uh we don't need to brand everybody and, i mean we hear enough of that from hollywood and 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 the media and everybody's got to have some kind of brand that they belong to. And we just don't need that in the hunting community. And I think people do need to calm down and and just understand that if, if we're, if we're all divided, we're going to lose our public land. We're going to lose our right to hunt. We're going to, the, the animals aren't going to be, Managed appropriately, uh, we're going to have ballot box management for our wildlife, and that's going to degrade our public land, and and the wolves are going to kill everything. All this, all these things that can happen, it doesn't have to be like a legislator coming out and saying, "Oh, we're banning hunting in California, or we're going to ban hunting uh, in, the United, in the United States." That that is is very unlikely in in our life but what is likely is we get split and divided so much that you know we get taken down by ballot box initiatives and and public land loss and and all these things because the groups that are against us are united and we are not and that's what's got to change so
1: the here's my here's how i see it right like you know this colorado thing the mountain lion thing here in california is as i think that's calculated actions man um you know if we mm-hmm. can't ban hunting we sure can affect the availability of you know the the prey species right um most of our ungulates, right, are going to be hugely impacted by Colorado. I Look at how Idaho, you guys have been dealing with the wolves for a while. I think that that is all calculated action to limit hunting, right? If you get an area and the herd numbers decline so badly, what are they going to do? They're not going to allow us to keep hunting it or they're going to limit the numbers. So then when people aren't able to get the tags they want or access to these areas or the game is, you know, they're not filling the freezer. You're more likely to see people falling off. Um, and yeah. as we age, right. It's, it's harder than hell to get the next generation, right. Our, you know, air quotes, millennials, um, especially the liberal ones to even consider something like hunting. So we're yeah. already hurting, with you know the 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 future of it, it's already in shambles, and they're already attacking us. I mean, we're not going to get the stuff that they put in place back. Colorado's going to struggle. I know you guys had to bring folks in from Alaska to even you know get folks familiar with trapping the wolves because they're so you know such a sly creature. Um,
2: yeah, and and that's what people. I I want people to understand too with that. Like, I, I, I agree with you. There is like, there was like this systematic plan for, for the wolves. And the reason I say that, uh, but, but let me start by saying, I don't hate wolves. I think they're actually super cool to have on the landscape. They, they really are a neat animal. Um, but they're a dangerous animal. They're a dangerous animal to our wildlife in general. All species suffer because of wolves being there. And so that's why I feel like there was a systematic, uh, you know, this takedown and it has affected. I know a lot of guys that tell me, yeah, I used to hunt until they released wolves. And now I don't, I don't hunt elk anymore because there's, there's no elk left in the, in the area I used to hunt. And, and there's some, And sometimes guys like to exaggerate that and, you know, more what I think happens a lot is they refuse to leave. uh, But add a major negative impact on our populations. And so the point is, is we've we've now got all these facts and all this data to show the damaging effects to all other species that the wolves have created because they've been here for, you know, 25 years and, or or even take a look at Yellowstone and look at the, the, the moose populations and the elk populations and compare that to uh, prior to releasing the wolf. And, and, but they keep pushing this propaganda that like, oh, the wolves are still endangered and, and they've done such great things for the ecology of Yellowstone uh, because this shrub grew back on the bank of the river and, and, and whatever, which most of this is just it's bs and and so you you want to fall for this fantasy of having these shrubs back in the river and totally ignore the fact that the elk numbers in the in the Yellowstone National Park are so dismal that they're almost non-existent when I was a kid we'd go to Yellowstone and you'd see elk everywhere man everywhere now all you see is bison and everybody wants to get out and pet a bison and and uh to, <laughs> that, that usually leads to some comical video. yeah it does <laughs> ignore these detrimental impacts of the wolf and and that's why it's like there's something to what you're saying you cannot ignore the fact populations in the moose populations have had a significant negative impact because, and sit today that you're for wildlife because you're pro wolf. It doesn't work. We have to have a balance. I love wolves too, but they need to be managed.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's, uh, your episode that you did with uh, with uh, Dr. Valerius guys there. Uh, I mean, you're talking a guy that, that authored the North American conservation model right he authored that and he's saying yeah yeah this is foolish you know i told him this was foolish there you go there's your ballot box stuff there's your touchy-feely you know wolves on the landscape the guy authored it he was enough to do that but they're not going to listen to his opinion um when it's you know these reintroductions with with zero to no management it's just it's foolish because
2: because his opinions are are not some um product of his emotional stance or his emotional uh state of mind these opinions developed out of decades of research and science and that's why he has that that opinion that's why he holds those opinions and he backs it up with actual factual data that shows uh the the negative impacts but he he gets so frustrated because everybody that's that's on the other side of that aisle is they're so emotionally based. They're, they're, they don't have facts. They don't have data. They don't have evidence. They, they just have their fantasy of wolves are so cute and cuddly and great and uh, should be everywhere and, and wildlife shouldn't be managed at all. They should just let mother nature take care of it and all these things that just have been proven time and again not to work. Uh, but I, I will tell you on like a side note, with uh, that particular episode with Dr. Geist. I don't know that I have ever felt dumber after talking to somebody (laughs) than that. You know, that guy's smart. Yeah, I I, I like he was using words. I, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even keep up with them. I'm like, what does that mean, man? Like, I, what are you, what are you talking about? And that's, that's crazy. He's, he was so smart and so passionate about it. I loved it.
1: It was funny to me, and I don't mean any disrespect, right? But you, you know, you'd give a, you'd give a little you know this is this is jim's experience you know i saw this and boy oh boy every single time he'd hit you and he'd be like oh yeah i documented that and i'm like well she's jim i know
2: he's sharing nothing oh, <laughs> he had everything, man- <laughs> he had everything he, documented when he clips his big toenail, yeah. that that clip toenail is smarter than I am. That's how I felt when I got a phone oh, with him.
1: Man. It was. Uh, I think you, I thought it was a good. I thought you you hosted it well. Um. I I never I never felt like you were outgunned in it. Um. You know, and man, he, I did. I nah. appreciate
2: that, but he, I did. <laughs> I, I think
1: you did really well, right? Because what do you do with a guy that that has that many years under his belt? Uh, that's his life, his livelihood. He's that you know. He's not well researched. He's doing the the he, gathering. He is the he, research. Exactly. Yeah, he
0: is the guy doing that. So yeah.
1: so how how can you not? You know, I don't, and I don't think you took a back seat. But how can you not kind of ride side saddle with you know with him? given his uh given his take i thought you did good man it was a it was a good inter uh a good episode to listen to and then you were able to break some things down that that, you know that some folks may have not understood and and give kind of our perspective on it i thought it was good man
2: man i uh I, i learned a lot from that episode he he he's uh he's interested in people learning he doesn't just want to talk at people he actually wants them to learn and i I really liked what he talked about with the mule deer and the way that how they can cohabitate with whitetail and because that's a big issue in my area. This, this area that I live used to have tons of big mule deer and, and, and now it's just full of whitetail and I love whitetails too, but, uh, not at the expense of, of, uh, the mule deer pushed out. And so I actually passed on a, uh, on a, he was like a three by four buck mule deer this year because he, it's one of those areas where the, the is, there's a pretty heavy whitetail population, and based on what Dr. Geist said, um, that buck that I could have shot, that and this was only like three weeks ago, um, will be the buck next year that will protect the the uh, mule deer does from the big whitetails, and so I'm like. And then come to find out uh, this dude, I know that I gave him, uh, I gave him this area to hunt, which was a huge mistake. And he goes up there and I'm pretty sure he shot that thing. Uh. That's the hard I'm not part. sure.
1: But that see that's the hard part and 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 that there there goes that being a good podcast episode and something good to listen to and it says a lot for your you know for the most part we go by a tag right we're we're passive conservationists but the mm-hmm. fact that you had that information and you made a decision that that hey okay this is what I learned and now I'm going to take this into the field I think that's a huge statement uh one to hunters, but to you, because who's going to pass the three by four muley? You know what I mean? It, it's, not yeah. easy, yeah. it's not an easy, it's not an easy
2: game. Prior, prior to that episode with Dr. Geist and, and no, I, I already, I already knew that we were suffering with our, our mule deer numbers, but prior to that episode, I would have smoked that mule deer. Uh, because in this, that particular unit, they just really don't get much bigger than that guy. Um, they don't, we don't get these big monsters up, you know, know, mule deer up in the panhandle of Idaho. They just, they, I don't know what what the deal is. They just don't get that big. So Idaho has some big mule deer. Uh, just not this far north. So, uh, or, or you can go further north than where I was hunting and you can f- actually find some big ones in some of the higher country. But anyway, point being, yeah, I, before that, before I did that episode, I would have totally smoked that, that buck and, uh, and been done with it, man. Um, and so it just, I just take I, I do take this stuff serious and I, I want the mule deer to thrive. I, I got a thing for mule deer, man. Who does it? I've, you know, they they've actually. <laughs> I know guys that don't. I I know guys that they talk smack about mule deer. One guy calls him, uh, he calls him the the gray donkey or something like that. He's, I wouldn't shoot one of those stinky gray donkeys if my life depended on it, and doesn't like the taste. And I'm like, well, are you kidding, man? I, I hear that all nothing the time. Better than a high country mule deer. Oh, yeah,
1: I hear it all the time with you know people going, ah, oh, you like the way it tastes. I'm like, man, this is, this is grub. <laughs> yeah, Lip I'm, I'm good it with it. It. So how do yeah. we? How do we get, how do we get that kind of action, right? Spread that message and get that kind of action to conservation as hunters, right? When you hear something like that and you take action on it, I mean, that's a huge impact. Now, how do we, how do we get that out enough to where we're not looking to buy a $25 t-shirt Um, and say I supported X, Y, Z, uh, because I got a T shirt. you know what I mean? Like, how do we, how do we impact and affect conservation in a way that we are out there making decisions like that? And damn, that's hard,
2: right? It is. It's, It's so hard, man. People are so set in their ways. They're so stubborn and, and they're so, um, especially when they get a little long in the tooth like I am and, and you know, guys like us that uh, I think that the, the only answer that I could give that might have some hope uh, from, from that standpoint is, you know, d- doing what you and I are doing with these shows and just providing this constant drip of information that when I was growing up as a hunter uh, you, you know, I, I've been hunting all my life. I did not have this information at my fingertips we didn't have internet we didn't have podcasts we didn't have youtube we didn't have any of this and and so back then i feel like the hunting mentors that were around like my dad and i had a grandpa and and uncles and and family friends that would take us out they didn't do a super great job at talking about the hunting ethics side of it, the the ethical side of hunting and the learning experience of it in terms of knowing wh- why, you know, for example, mule deer and, and white tailed deer struggle to coexist uh, in, in certain habitats and all, all that kind of stuff. And so I think that just by having, you know, conversations like these and um, getting involved as much as we can with uh, with, with foundations that actually have people that as a day job do this for a living supporting those kind of groups because the 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 other side to that the the anti-hunting community they have full-time attorneys and people that that are pushing this stuff every single day oh, they're they have political marketing powerhouses. professionals yeah, yeah political they're powerhouse. they're very much political powerhouses and so i it's got to just be this slow drip of information and 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 my hope is is hunters get involved and hunters they they get a sense of a responsibility, uh, to, uh, to help with these things beyond just buying a tag or a t-shirt like you were saying, because it used to be just buying the tag. You can say, I'm, I'm a conservationist cause I bought a, a $35 deer tag and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I'm not discounting that, but I feel like it's, we're at a point in, in, in the world of hunting the way it is now in North America. Uh, and this speaks to to our friends in Canada too, um, we're at a point where we probably, I feel like need to ask a little bit more out of hunters Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's than, not, than what, it's just not like it was.
1: No. And, and, and it's not a time where, where being passive about it is gone. Right. And that's yeah, what I said, exactly. right. And passive conservation is that it has gone, you know, and, and it's everything we do is going to affect. How we continue to do it, man. I I, and Mm -hmm. and I don't know that people really. You know, I know people don't realize it. Uh, We go to the woods now, and dude, I'm picking up trash every single time. Right, elk season, man. Oh
2: man, dude, drive me
1: crazy. It's like something. In my head, it speaks volumes. Right. And I don't care if it's one guy, 10 guys. But if you got a group of us together in a room and said, how much trash did you pick up? It's astounding. Right. It's every Uh one of us. But but to see that, I know we're not we're not paying attention to it. You know, it's like, dude, if you if it was okay for you and and for me, I'm anal. I don't care if, you know, I got to get in the med kit to get, you know, that little tear open packet of aspirin out. Because I got a headache or something, it's going back in the bag. And I, man, dude, you would be a, you shocked to see how much of those you find laying around the woods. And it's small stuff like that. It's like we uh, need
2: we need more people like you, man. We like that that. I I tell you what, that. I'm gonna have <laughs> I'm gonna have a heart attack over the way hunters treat the woods. Sometimes I so this last September, um, I'm up and my my brother in law and I are are hunting elk. And we get this response with a bugle and I was pretty suspicious they were hunters. And, and the way that they were moving, I was like, okay, those are, those are hunters, uh, but they wouldn't stop bugling. So they didn't <laughs> know that I was a hunter. And so I, I told my brother-in-law, I'm, I'm like, screw it, man. Let's, let's call them in. So I did. I, I mean, I was ripping chuckles and bugles and just going nuts. And I, I called them right to us and they came in and you should have seen the looks on their faces too. When they, they come through the brush and see me and uh, my brother-in-law standing there, they, they I, I, that, that look of disappointment, you know, they're like, Oh, you, you know, like guys, that's not how it works. You don't. Anyway, um, we get to talking to these guys and, and they're, they were really cool guys. They were younger guys, probably you know mid late twenties. Uh, they were super pumped to be up hunting. Uh, they seemed like they were having a great time. They were decent callers, and uh, they they were just kind of those those you'd think representative wise would represent the hunting community in in this real positive way. And I was I was pretty excited to to, to uh, you know talk to those guys and share our experiences, what, what what we've been doing, and and whatnot. And they told me where they were camped. And I, the area this that this was taking place, I know it very well. I've been hunting up there for years. I know all the camp spots. I know all the, you know, whatever. And and you, everybody just kind of camps down on the river and then they hunt the higher country around it, you know. And, and so they told me where they were hunting. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I, if I'm driving by there, I'll swing in and maybe we can crack a beer and, and – uh, you know, whatever. And, and they're like, okay, well, we're, we don't know when we're leaving yet. It's real weather dependent. I'm like, okay, well I'll I'll check on you like tomorrow or whatever. I pulled into their camp. Uh, the, well, I drove by that camp that night and I saw where their tent was and they explained what their tent looked like and all that. And then the next day I, I had, I threw some beers in the cooler in the back of my truck and was driving it up there. I was going to go see how their, their morning hunt went. And, uh, cause this, we're not back country hunting up there. It's, it's, uh, it's all base camp, you know? And, um, I pull in there, they were gone, packed up, but they left beer cans and bottles and garbage all over this camp spot. And I was freaking livid. I, because I did not expect that from those guys. And, and to, to people listening that don't know this metal doesn't really burn. You can't leave your, your cans and, and pork and bean cans in the fire pit. And, and you know, clean that shit up and take it home. That, that stuff, it just makes my blood boil. And I was so disappointed that these young dudes did that. And I, I just wish I can come across them again so that I can explain to them that, you know, you guys, you don't understand when you do something like that, that creates this domino effect of people who think that... Uh, you know they shouldn't have any in- human encroachment into the woods, and and uh, they'll shut down this national forest thing that we cherish so much, this public land thing. They will shut this down over things like that. So, give them a reason. It, yeah, you're just giving them a reason. So it's it, it was super frustrating, man. Yeah, no,
1: I I feel you. I you know I I may be extreme, but like you know if you if you got a fire ring, I won't even you know you sit there you make a fire ring, dude. I dismantle it. Um, I, yeah. I, my opinion of it is right. And it's a camp spot. People know that people have been there, um, but I want to try and leave and it sounds cliche, but I want to try and leave it better than I found it. And, and for me, you know, dismantling my firing is part of that. Um, and yeah. then the damn monument things, man, when they stack the rocks on top of each other, I know that a, shit drives me Great. I kick them down. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: what is the point of that? What, I, what is the point of those monument things? Exactly. I mean, I've never understood it. Exactly. I know
1: that boots have walked where I'm walking most times, but I want to feel like no one's been there, at least for a while, right? And I don't want to see oh, that. I know. I love things, that. You know,
2: I love that feeling, man. I love the feeling when I'm in this basin or a drainage and I feel like I am the first man to ever be- walk through that area. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I know I know. in most cases I'm not. There is one area that I've hunted in Idaho where I feel like this particular place I went, there's a chance. There's like this very small chance. I might've been the first human to walk through there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> doubtful, it's doubtful. But. Right, but, but, but to have
1: someone else walk in behind you and have that same feeling or that same experience, to me, it's important mm-hmm. for me that that's part of Super hunting, important. you know what I mean? To, to get, be in God's country and know that it's God's country. And I don't have to look at these GD little monument things there. It, it drives me.
2: I know. <laughs> Call it I a know. weird
1: quirk, man, but that I hate them. Damn things. I'd rather pick up your trash and kick those things down or see them.
2: Uh, it just, uh, that a lot of that stuff, the, the trash man, that just drives me to drinking. I, I can't handle it, especially, um, I well, I hate to say, especially, but it is even worse when you're in the backcountry and somebody leaves like an empty mountain house and all the garbage, or uh, throws a I don't know who the hell packs cans of beer, by the way, that oh, far into the back. I, I find a cans lot of beer. Lot of people, in, buddy. <laughs> like, like you're taking that much weight that far from the road. It's uh, it's nuts, but well, I guess a lot of people do do that.
1: Oh, uh, the worst part of it is they took that much weight in but aren't willing to bring a fraction of the weight back out. I mean, think about it, right? It's lighter coming out than it was going in. And if you got if you were were blessed enough and lucky enough and skillful enough to win, you know, against your quarry there, okay, you got a heavy pack. So at some point, right, when it's one quarter and some loose meat, get your fucking trash. Excuse my language. Yeah. Pick it up yeah. and pack it out. You know, it's not yeah. that difficult. You know, where we're hunting, me crazy. hunting in Colorado, you know, I keep a, a roll of uh, those 50-gallon bags for our trash, right? Uh. Man, we – the one day – and I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, right? I, I probably had – no, it's not an exaggeration. Probably like two grocery store bags full of, you know, air quote wood trash. Um, and mm. some dude left. There was like a Arizona, like he stopped at the the uh, gas station Mart, you know, on his way out to the woods. There was like an Arizona. uh cup of, you know, the the old peel lids, those, a cup of fruit. Tea yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, a oh, Pepsi. The fruit, okay. yeah Half a drink Pepsi, and it's just a bunch of stuff, and then a big Tupperware bowl, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, you let, you're gonna get in trouble, like, you didn't even care that much that your wife's gonna jump you for leaving her Tupperware in the woods, and it was just the weirdest find, yes, and, and it was just nuts. like, nuts. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, that's just lack of, given any kind of, you know, shit just yeah leave they it don't give like a that. shit
2: like like that stuff that stuff doesn't go away i find i found a vintage budweiser can that had to be from the 1960s because i actually looked it up on the internet i carried it off the mountain i, I should post a picture of it it's old 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 and so i'm looking at I don't know if it was 60s or early 70s or whatever either way we're talking like 50 years ago that can is still sitting there and it's really not that in that bad of shape yes i did this is a place that gets four or five feet of snow every year um but Anyway, but that, yeah, that's that. The, these are the frustrating parts of, of being a hunter, and and this is where what we were talking about. When we we do need to ask hunters that we need to step it up a little bit. We gotta we gotta pack our trash. Out. I don't even leave my shell on the ground when I'm rifle hunting, uh, and and the. The expectation of or or I, so to speak the, the the misconception that that just buying a tag these days is enough for for our lifestyle to continue on nowhere is, is really not realistic. Yeah, nowhere it's not realistic anymore we've, we've got to do more. And when I say do more, it's, it's get involved with like foundations and get involved, become a board member of, of an association that's, that's important to you, whether it's Mule Deer Foundation or, or, uh, you know, be on a, the chapter volunteer at at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or, uh, donate money, donate time, do, do what you can. It's not that big of a chunk of time out of your life to do these little steps that that will go a long way. Mm -hmm. So. that's an
1: interesting topic right um and and there was a point in time where you know you supported what you thought was the best uh but Mm -hmm. there's uh that's some touchy ground man because there's there's some organizations that have come under fire as of late that uh might not you know (sighs) might not be spending that money where they say they're spending it or utilizing it to the fullest. Um, so I think that's where a lot of people, I know I'm making assumption there, um, where the problem is, right. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, where, yeah. where is it really going? You know? Um, and then a lot of it, like here in California, right. You got chapters of organizations that this, you know, whoever the members are in the state, that's where the f- funding comes from for that state, for that organization. Um, If you look at California, you're like, okay, well, what are you doing? Right. What, what are you, what are you doing? Cause I'm losing this. I'm losing that. Um, I'm, I'm not really seeing it or, you know, do we even know that that money's going? So I think there's a dilemma there with how upfront and honest and open, you know, organizations are about it and, and what they're telling us, I think there's some scrutiny that needs to be had. Um, and we have to watch it as hunter. My point is we have to watch it as hunters and make sure that we are supporting an organization that truly has, um, the wildlife in, in mind, but our backs too. Um,
2: yeah, for sure, man. I, I think that there's, there's times that I have organizations, they send me just, a. um, an ungodly amount of marketing material through, you know, the old fashioned snail mill. And, and it's like, sometimes I wonder, it's like, that's like the fifth or sixth time I've received this big packet of stuff from you guys. I feel like my money would be better spent on improving habitat or, or, Reintroducing species in certain area, you know, whatever, whatever the initiative is for, uh, you, you know, that year, or whatever. But, and so I agree. I personally I prefer the smaller uh more local organizations over some of the big national ones i think that there's a lot more um scrutiny and focus on those ones uh, but but sometimes those big national ones also make the biggest difference because they have the funding and so i think where where i i i don't disagree with that notion at all that we they do need to be scrutinized and we do need to know where that money is being spent and um, you know, that that part's very important. Uh, but I also see a lot of importance in some of these associated time employees, because we need people that are full time. Um, we need we need these people that are at the cutting edge of everything that's going on. They're on top of legislative issues. They're on top of habitat issues wildlife public land stuff so those associations that have these full-time people that are going to bat for us as long as they truly are like you were saying um that is what's going to help us combat some of these anti-hunting anti-public land anti because there's a lot more up against hunting than just the anti-hunting community right i mean i mean the 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 folks that want to snatch up public land and make a huge profit on it are a huge huge threat in fact i'd even say they're a bigger threat than the anti-hunting group but um they you can rest assured, have full-time people staffed and ready to go to battle against us and so that's why i, I like having these organizations that that have that as well so um well yeah
1: you, you know sure. what uh, you, you brought up that privatization check that oh you can't damn it netflix um I'll try and watch it and maybe like screen record it and send you the little snippets. But there, uh, it was back in uh, Maine and they're talking about, you know, the fisheries there and the push to privatize. Uh, the ocean fisheries and those guys are getting their butt kicks by big money, by big finance, you know, these corporations that they're literally trying to privatize the ocean. So it's not, oh, that's it, yeah, stupid, it's, man. it's everywhere, Jeez. dude. It's, you know, that, th- that industry is suffering for the little guy. I mean, they're, they're pretty much wiped out Uh harbors that had 1500 boats or, you know, hundred, 120 boats. Now uh, generations mm-hmm. of fishermen that, that, that barely can survive with it. Um, so that's already happening there. If if we if the animals we pursued were such a commodity, we'd already be feeling it like them. Um, For sure, that, you know they're gonna figure out a way to use that land. Uh, for whatever their, whatever that reason is. Uh, And yeah, I agree, man. And, And,
2: and one approach that Dr. Geist was even talking about that, that I always, I, if, if I have an opportunity to share this information, I want to, but one of the issues with unmanaged wolves is there, it is not in question whether or not these wolves will wipe out ungulate populations. They do that is not that is not a question anymore that that's that's what will happen if these wolves are left unchecked and what is the result of that wildlife that no longer exists on our public lands. What makes our public land worth anything? The wildlife. So if that wildlife is no longer on our public land, because once the prey base is killed off, the wolves will die off too, if they've got nothing to eat, right? So when 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 the wildlife is so heavily depleted on these public lands, the the, the federal government's gonna look at that and be like, well, they're not worth anything. Nobody goes hunting anymore and buys tags. Um, I hate to say that money is the root of all this, but money is the root of all this. And so if, if, there's, if there's nothing left to haunt people won't buy tags, and not to say that hunters are the only people that use a, the the public land systems because we're certainly not, but that that is going to be a huge. Uh, that's a huge factor for the states. This uh, uh, Well, the federal government owns all this land, but we make a lot of money from TAGS as a state, uh, as an agency, and well, now we're not making that money, and why are we letting the federal government control these lands when we could take them over and sell them to private organizations like the Wilkes Brothers, and they come in with their billions of dollars, and bam, we could... We could buy new school buses for all our school districts, and and that that land is gone, and hunting is a is a thing of the past, other than on private ranches.
1: That's it. I mean, that was exactly what I was saying. It's to me, it's all calculated, man. I, I think that it's a, it sounds you know foil hat conspiracy, but I, I think it's, I think it's calculated. Yeah. You know, we were watching it so happen. Too. We're watching it happen in front of our eyes. It is yeah. yeah, it's scary it's scary so i gotta
2: i got a, I got a question for you kind of off off topic here just kind of shifting gears shoot what what made you want to start a podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm tiptoeing so i was listening to a podcast and i'm going this is great right it's it's great to hear these big names if you will or these you know these flashy stories if you will but there's yeah. so there's so many more stories um it, you talk to somebody if you go to a trade show or something and you talk to somebody or just you know in in you know a sportsman's warehouse or whatever and you talk to somebody about hunting and you you know you start sharing this conversation and you you, you both light up. Right. And, and, you know, you're lighting up from their conversation and they're telling you about a hunt and vice versa. And it was it was to the point where it was like, man, you know, I, I want to hear more than these 10 stories. I want to. How can I how can I hear this? How can I live this all the time? How can I be a part of this? Um, you know, it, I'm in yeah. California, man. I don't there's not much contact with hunters. Right. Um, so that was part of it. And it was just like, okay, how, how can I, how can I do this? You know? And I was like, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to just start reaching out to folks, you know, And and Instagram being what it is. And, you know, I'm looking and I follow people and I'm not the just follow you back. Right. Like if I get, you know, if someone follows yours, I I literally go through and I look and say, Oh, this is cool. This is, you know, this represents us in a good light. And there's some, you make some bad choices, but, um, yeah. So I just started oh, yeah. going through there and there was people that I was intrigued with their pursuit, their mindset, um, you know, where they hunted things of that nature. And, and I was just started reaching out going, all right, this is cool. Um, this is really freaking cool. And the the more I did it, the more it was just like, you know, I find so much value in just the everyday story. Um, Not to say that there's not value in, you know, getting, getting those tips, tactics, pointers from the guys that are just, you know, straight killers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that are just, monsters on the mountain that are you know semi-recluse that you
2: never even that you never even hear about exactly
1: that's and that's that's where to me that's where the story was at right it it was more relatable to my pursuit um than the others you know i I, i you know i can't i'm not going and you know and there's nothing wrong with it um i'm not going and and you know getting Governor tags and things of that nature, not to say that's what everybody does, but just, you know, to drive my point home, the everyday stories is really what intrigues me. And that's why I, I mean, that's the main reason I started it was to share those, to share the, the values of hunting more. So, you know, the big, you know, the big, the beautiful grip and grins, because there's a lot of them that exist, dude. Um,
2: And it, yeah, I think that, I think you and I are a lot alike, man. I I think we see the value in the greater story. We, we have, we have a lot of these celebrity type kind of hunters out there and they're always fun to get on the show. Right. And, and they always have a lot of good tips and tactics and all that kind of stuff. But man, sometimes, sometimes you get some serious nuggets out of, out of these dudes that don't even know what Instagram is. And, and that's, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of what I wanted to do. And I haven't been that great at it. I, I, I just, I get, uh, I get a lot of random guests and and they're all good. I love, I love all of them. And uh, but my, my goal was to actually interview a lot of people that nobody knew And, and I, I kind of want to, I want to get back to that, uh, at some point here with, because I I think that they have the perspective that most hunters have. And that is a perspective that is widely known and should be exploited to protect our way of life.
1: Absolutely, man. And you expose those values and the other sides of hunting, um, you know, a lot of those folks, man, they're hunting on the weekend, you know, they're not five, 10, you know, 15 days out, um, like you know some folks and, and nothing nothing wrong with it you know i give it to the guys that have figured out how to live it day in and day out um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm huge on that right uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where you know we get in these we get in these arguments this negative rhetoric about someone's pursuit um and we want to take away you know because a guy had the governor tag or because a guy hunted on a big ranch um but you can't yeah. knock. You can't knock the grind. These dudes and women, for that matter, have have figured out how to do it. Uh, so I'll never take mm-hmm. that away. But man, to to tap into some of the values, um, you know, my 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 friends, the Red Erafs, uh, Kristen and Brady, um, you know, they are they are living breathing proof of, in my opinion, of the hunting lifestyle, right? Their, their yeah. family values. And I just, just impeccable people, man. Like you can't, you can't hold a match to some of these folks that we talk to. It's just uh, it's phenomenal. That's,
2: that's been, that's been one of the most surprising things with me doing a podcast is my level of how impressed I've been with the quality of people that are out there hmm. in the hunting community. Dude, that's what like I the, said earlier. There, there's yeah, no, look at the values. Just <laughs> the values, yeah. the, the integrity, the motivation, the commitment, all these things that I, I feel like so many other people that, I, I don't know, I don't know how to word that, but <laughs> people that may not hunt may need to take lesson from exactly. And and I think that a lot of that has to do with how uh, deep hunters have to go into their own soul to to be successful, and and what they have to do to achieve things and and protect things that are just uh, you know this thing that is greater than us as an individual. And and so I've just been. I, I've just been overwhelmed with my level. Of, I know we were talking smack about some of the hunters that go out there, and uh, you know they litter, they leave trash, they uh, stack rocks, they they do all this this stuff that that we don't we don't take super kindly to. But uh, I, just from my perspective, I've just been really impressed with the 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 caliber of people in. Within the hunting community, and and I just I love I I, every time I record a show um, I make a new friend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost sometimes I think about it right, and it's like it's almost a little weird sometimes. I know, you know, seriously. <laughs> and i
2: i deal I deal with ten times as many people in my day job, and and I just I've I never had. That connection. level of like respect and connection and, and, and Im- how impressed I was and all that w- with, within my day job, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's a whole new level in, in the hunting, oh, it's, hunting it's, world.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've literally sat back and go, man, is this kind of weird? Like I'm so enamored with this person or that person, but. I, I, you just can't help it man and i'm gonna go back a little bit what you were saying you know that that people outside of the demographic they could use it and and one of the and i say that all the time and one of the things that that strikes me um is if you look at it right hunting teaches us failure if we don't learn anything else about the animals we pursue or about what we did. It teaches you how to fail and it's constant. Mm -hmm. And if you look around today, what, what do we all, what do most people complain about, right? Is participation flipping trophies. That's why these people don't under, in my opinion, don't understand it because they haven't, they haven't had to go and fail and fail and fail and fail and keep fighting for something. They're getting handed a flipping participation trophy or a pat on the back for just doing mediocre you For know just I mean? showing up yeah. yeah and it's like to me that's where one of the biggest values is that is that we are okay with with failing but we're not we're not looking at it as it as it's adversarial it's part of the enjoyment, right? The part of winning that is so necessary is failure. You know, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah,
2: it's that's such a good point, man. That's such a great point. I, I've I've never really put it into that kind of perspective, but you're you're absolutely right, man. And I am the epitome of a what failure. a failure <laughs> looks like. I, I mean, I. I am like the most experienced yet worst hunter you'll ever meet in my life. And, and, and I wear that with pride. pride. I, don't, I don't care, yeah. man. I, I just, I've never shot like a freaking 200 class buck or a 350 elk or, a, you know, all this stuff. The The only thing I've ever been prolifically successful at was fly fishing. And even that's questionable. But, uh, <laughs> So that's a really good way to put it is, is we are prepped. We are primed for failure. We know how that feels. And we know the work that it takes to be successful. And that's not to say that I, I, and I hear these stories and it, it, it like, I don't even know how to react to them. I hear these stories every year. Oh yeah, man. I pulled up to the trailhead and shut my door on my truck and walked 30 feet and a a bull elk was standing right there and I shot him and I pulled my my truck down closer and drug it back up to the road with a strap. And I hear this every year, man, I have never in my life been that lucky. (laughs) Never. yeah. Never has that happened to me. But so you you always have those circumstances, but for, for the most of us, I think all hunters are like this. We fail a lot more than we succeed. Hell yeah! Look at the success rate. And so, yeah, yeah, exactly. volume, man,
1: for sure. You know, it's, it's, and I. Sorry, go ahead, man.
2: Oh no, no, yeah, I, I, I was just gonna say I, I have I have major respect for the the guys that you know because you know they're out there, guys and gals that get it done every year. They tag out every year. It it always comes together for them. Mm-hmm. And, and not that's, me. That is not me,
1: you know, and that's <laughs> to me, it, it equates to time in the woods, you know. Um, and then there's choices we make, yeah. too. And that's and that's one of the things with that failure that that's phenomenal to me is, you know, you get you get folks that, you know, look down on, you know, we'll call it for, you know, I have to me was what it is. is trophy hunting. Right. I uh, there's a caliber mm-hmm. of animal that I'm chasing. And I think that failure teaches you. Uh, enough to where you're like okay you're looking for the failure you don't want the easy way out anymore so you're going to upgrade right that advancement yep. it, it, it just it just adds to the person um, and I, I think it's a phenomenal thing to go chase you know the monarch if you will of the mountain be it a mule deer a white tail or you know that that what's haunting me is a damn elk, man. (laughs) But (coughs) there's something about setting a standard, understanding that, you know, failure is part of, you know, the concept of what we do. It's, you know, at 10%, um, you know, you're unlikely to go do it every year in the same spot over and over and over. Um and, and if you do it for yeah. five or six yeah. years, it, it may not happen in, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth year. It's it's all in cycles. But man, I, I But
2: but yeah. you show up again every year.
1: Every, every single every- year.
2: You know, I, I, and I'm, I'm the same way, man. And, and I, you know, uh, what you said there with, with the trophy, I, I love one of my, the fa- my favorite quotes that ever came off of any of my episodes on my show came from uh, Jason Phelps of uh, Phelps game calls. Who the and he said, that? <laughs> <laughs> he said um, that he is a trophy hunter with a meat hunter's heart. <laughs> Meaning, he goes into the woods wanting the biggest bull he could find, but generally shoots the first thing that walks out with antlers, and that's how I am. You know, I I do want that monster, and I I do pursue. Uh, I'm a lot better at deer hunting than I am with 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 elk, but um, this year uh, I had my girls with me, and so my priorities shifted, and that's okay. That's what fle- you know. Hunters need to be flexible with this. I I was I was going to pursue this, uh, this giant whitetail that I had, I, I know where he's at. I, I know what drainage he's living in. I know generally his patterns, but when my girls told me, when I asked them, if you want to go hunting with me, I will take you hunting. And, and you can come with me now. I'm not going to drag them up to this snowy drainage that I'm talking about where that big buck is. Uh, just because it's, it, it's, it's, honestly it's honestly super steep and they don't have the right gear for it. Uh, So I took them out somewhere else and we got a little, little buck the other day and I'm super happy with it, you know, and, and, but it does tie into, you know, if, if we're being honest guy, I don't even know where the hell I was trying to go with this, but, um, I had a point. I promise. I had a direction. I had a really good end point there. And I, I just kind of, kind of drifted off because I was thinking about uh, that buck. Well, it, <laughs> and I, and
1: I think uh, I'm making an assumption, right? Is, is we were talking about, you know, what, that failure in that trophy hunting, but, but what defines the trophy, right? In in that yeah. instance, that trophy is, you know, your, your girls with you putting hands on that animal while, you know, the while the body's still warm, um, that's mm-hmm. the trophy in it, right? Huge amount of value in something like that. They're experiencing there's it with so you. There's so much. Yeah, there's memories. So even much if, value. Even if they forgot about it right in in their teen years you'll never forget about it and that memory is going to come back to them you know as they get older and that's going to be value i mean is there a bigger trophy you know maybe a 400 a 400 inch elk but oh yeah
0: yeah there's definitely a bigger trophy there's always
1: a bigger trophy
2: right um, now that that was awesome it was awesome man i just uh, i i was able to teach him you know the what my traditions are in terms of when you are successful how I respect that animal and I give thanks for that animal and and they they learned that and I, I taught them what not to do to that that would be disrespectful towards the animal they they dude my my nine-year-old can she can blood trail a deer and an elk like like she is a freaking Comanche man she's awesome <laughs> I
1: saw you post and, that said she can get it yeah
2: yeah she and she does she she found the deer that we got last last week and um she just does a did a great job and and both of them did both of them did actually i yeah my nine-year-old she tracked it but uh, it was my 11 year old that actually spotted it first so Mm -hmm. i got to give credit where credit's
1: due right (laughs) that uh she (laughs) brought something up there um you know, showing respect for that animal, right? And and I think there's a, a a dichotomy, if you will, in that, right? What what's your opinion of of you know the famous Gripping and grin man with the tongue out, with blood everywhere? Um, how how do you feel that that affects us with you know with social media, right? And the attacks we're under? Um, is there any importance for us to clean that stuff up or and present that animal in the best light?
2: You know, I. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I, I did post a grip and grin with this buck with my girls and I did not clean. I, I didn't cut the tongue off. I didn't clean the blood off. I was, I was just overly excited about having them there for that experience that I failed my own perspective and my opinion on that, because I do think that we need to clean those pictures up. Some people post some really tasteful pictures that, make it look like they're just about, you know, cuddling up with that animal. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and then there's, there's others that, uh, you know it looks like a freaking bloodbath like they they put that animal in a headlock and slit its throat with a pocket knife and let it bleed out until it passed over and fell over and they took a picture you know and and i think that there is this balance that that it does it just for the sake of of the fact that we all like to share these on social media and and i failed in my own opinion a week ago when i post because i did i posted that picture on facebook instagram Um, and, and it was like, I was so excited about it. And my girls were involved and, and I, I put it out there and then I'm looking at it after I posted it. And I'm like, geez, man, there's a bloody tongue hanging out of it. I should have cut that off. Uh, I should have cleaned him up. I had wet wipes right there. I could have cleaned the animal up. Um, and and I think that that is important and and I'm going to heed my, my own advice in the future because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I usually do clean the animals up. Um, but in this case, I didn't last week. And I, I think that that, does put off the wrong message and nothing makes me cringe more than when when you get some of these pictures that people post again it looks like a bloodbath they're they're like they've got a cigarette in their mouth that one for some reason just rubs me the wrong way uh, because it it portrays us like we're a bunch of joe dirt sons of bitches out there that hate animals and and uh, look i've got my my beer and my my cigarette and a bloody animal in front of me and that that sends the wrong med- message well, so that's um, why and I that was, gives oh, that gives the anti hunters ammo go ahead right what that? well, that's
1: what i was going to say that's why i was saying there's you know a dichotomy if you will because there's a there's a group that, and it's more than just a divide so maybe the wrong word but you know there's a group of us that that you know think that that blood should be cleaned up you know throw some dirt on it rub it whatever just you know drown out the blood a little bit put you know cut the tongue yeah, off.
0: just,
2: just uh, take a wet wipe it comes right off yeah
1: And then there's those that don't even think about it. And then there's those that are, you know, just, Hey, screw it. I do what I do. I'm posting it. I don't care about the Annie's. And that's why I was asking because it's interesting ties back into our earlier conversation, in my opinion, about how, how that opinion is and what's working against us and the things that, you know, this is one of the things in my opinion that we should be doing uh, is displaying it in those different lights.
2: Yeah and I I don't want to pick on people that maybe maybe they just don't realize uh because to you know you got to look at it from this perspective I'm I'm uh, I'm now officially in my 40s when I was a kid when we'd go hunting we were you know all the all the grown dudes that I was hunting with they always had a beer they were all smoking cigarettes and they we'd we'd take a polaroid camera out and and snap these pictures of of these deer and they were covered in blood and you know all that kind of stuff and so a lot of people I think they don't you know that's what we know that's what we we've known growing up and so but nowadays things are different. Now we have uh, an ever-growing anti-hunting movement, and and we have this the social media platforms that y- these pictures get seen by instead of you know uh, ten, 10 people, people at Thanksgiving, yeah. they, they're seen by thousands. thousands and yep. and so that's I think where uh, you know there just seems to be an understanding. I personally I can care less if somebody cuts the tongue off or and cleans the deer up, but I happen to know that like I have a family friend from from. Uh, You know, who's friends with my mom from years ago. And those kind of pictures infuriate her because she doesn't understand hunting at all. And she's not like anti-hunting, but she doesn't want anything to do with it. And so when she sees a picture like that, it's kind of offensive to her. And and we can have the attitude of, well, screw them. I'm going to, this is my life. This is my, uh, how I want to live and how I want to portray it and in your face and blah, blah, blah. You can take that route or you can, you know, do better with, uh, you know, I again, you know, if, do we need to clean up the deer completely or the elk or, or whatever? But no, I don't think so. But just a, a, a bit cleaner, maybe not the tongue, maybe... You know, leave the leave the mullet. You know, get a haircut. No, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> you know what's fun, What's
1: funny is I saw. A picture, I love picking on mullets, dude. <laughs> I saw a picture. Um, I want to say it was yesterday, and I, I can't remember the page. It was like one of those hunt meme pages, and there's a dude and he's laying there with the deer, and you know he has his tongue licking the deer's tongue and
2: i'll see that see i think that's bs
1: i saw that and i was just like you know and yes it's a meme page but i think those are a detriment to us um because they are it's not just our demographic seeing it and when someone else sees it even it being a meme oh look at this is how they are how they are not this guy right we're we're already roped into the crap so the the first psychological study that I could find on hunting, on hunters in particular, is from 1973. Okay. 1973, mm-hmm. they started evaluating the psychology of hunters. That's as far back as I could find it. I'm sure it exists earlier than that. I haven't got that far in. The one that I've been reading on more than most is as recent as 2017. And what they did is they went into social, they went and they picked out you know some forums, and they're they're coming to their conclusions as to our mindsets based on post stories, facial expressions, um, key you know trigger words that we use, and and this is how we're being lumped as a demographic. So when we when we want to tell this great story that we understand, right? We have to understand that there's people that are, and and some of these folks may not be against us, but everything I read, there is a, a strong anti hunting sentiment as, as much as they know that, you know, what we do, that consumptive recreation is necessary um, in conservation. There's still this huge anti-hunting sentiment and they're trying to categorize us based on what we are displaying. And the reason that they're using social media and forums and things of that nature is because they feel like it's unbiased. Um, People talking unbiased like, you know, they don't have to hold back in these forums. So as we display this to each other. They're judging us because you know, who's t- who's telling them they can't be in there? These are public, you know, air quote, public forums. So mm-hmm. as we display this stuff, we're being we're being judged on, on these displays and unwittingly. But we have to understand it's it's to our detriment if they have this anti-hunting sentiment.
2: I think that they're uh, from from the hunting from, from a hunter standpoint, I think that there is a serious lack of understanding as to the magnitude oh. of the scrutiny that we are under. Yeah, and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like that picture you were talking about where they're sticking their tongues, he's sticking his tongue out with a, with a deer tongue or whatever. That's just foul anyway. But, um, First of all, that you're disrespecting that animal by doing that and and that animal died for you and second of all, the what do you think happens when the secretary treasurer of PETA gets a hold of that photo or the the marketing manager of PETA gets a hold of that photo? And sends it out there, and you have some lady in some big urban area that doesn't get the humor of what you're trying to trying to do there. She sees that picture, and before seeing that picture, she wasn't necessarily for hunting, and she wasn't necessarily against hunting. That picture, in the way that like PETA is going to present it to her, she is now going to be a donor to PETA and an anti hunter, and so that is a huge. Uh, I I think that's a huge miss on hunters parts that, that we don't, we don't, we don't pay enough attention to. We, we have to open our eyes to that kind of stuff because we are, you know, the, these numbers are all over the board, but hunters make up less than 10% of the population in, in the United States. That's good. so <laughs> outnumbered (laughs) that we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. That's not to say that 90% of, of Americans are, are anti hunting by any means. A lot of people, I, I have a lot of friends that are, Oh, I'd love to be a hunter. I'd love to go out and do that and do this. And I don't know where to get started. And, and they spend their entire life, um, wishing they were a hunter, but never do anything about it. Right. And, and, and that's okay. That's their decision. I'm not judging them for that. Um, but, We, we do have this, this faction of America that is absolutely against it. And they're working every day to make it more difficult for us to lead our lifestyle. And And so when we do stuff that they're growing, they're growing, they're growing. (laughs) growing. Hunting is shrinking. Anti-hunting is growing. And so that is enough to give me a lot of pause for concern. Uh, and, and that's, that's why, you know, my, my general feeling is just as hunters, um, We need to we need to be more unified. We need to connect and communicate with each other better. We need to communicate our message to non hunters better. We need to portray ourselves in a in a in a I hate to use the word classy because I'm not a classy dude in any way, shape or form. But uh, there there is this level that I think needs to be portrayed and improved upon um, because we are we are up against it. We are we really are. We are up against it.
1: I mean, if your thing is licking deer tongues or elk tongues, after just just do us a favor and don't and don't share that. You know what I mean? What Keep kind of a,
2: <laughs> what kind of freaky fetish is that? I've never even heard of this licking a deer tongue thing. I'll have to try, it, dude. I I saw
1: that and I was I was appalled. And I, and this this is not keyboard warrior talk. I'd punch that son of a bitch in the face if I ever saw him. Right? Because that, I know. yeah, that is a detriment to me and to my friends and acquaintances that are hunters to you and our demographic in general, I'd punch that son of a bitch in his face. And that's not keyboard warrior talk. I will knock the shit out of (laughs) you. If I see you. Cause that is uh, crazy. That is like, yeah.
2: If, if a bunch of, uh, fruit loop pita types were sitting around a little teeny fire, that picture is a five gallon bucket or jug of gasoline Mm -hmm. on that fire.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
2: We and and even even some of the rhetoric that that I use, I, I should probably tone it down. You know, I because I, I I get fired up, man. I get I get pissed. I okay, no, I'm not going to tone it down with PETA. I'm ruthless with them. I'll stick with my my Fruit Loop uh, reference there to the PETA folks. Because <laughs> but the, actually PETA is not our issue. PETA is is everybody knows that it's they're a bunch of unhinged radical fanatics and, and extremists. And so, there. But they do raise a surprising amount of money. Uh, I was looking into that. I got I got oh, kicked dude. off their group, Facebook, Facebook group, because I was picking on them. But um, <laughs> it's it's not even it's it's groups like groups that we really need to worry about are 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 like the Center for Biological Diversity. Just their name is misleading as hell. Uh, but but they they post they misrepresent the wolf situation like you wouldn't believe it's 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 absolutely mind-boggling the propaganda that is put out by these anti-hunting organizations like Center for Biological Diversity. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, it's we we just we we're up against a lot. I think is is uh, the point I'd like to leave people with. Yeah, uh, a whole lot. I and and I'll. Tell
1: you with my point is we we need to be better stewards of hunting of our passion if you truly love this lifestyle and what you do please consider how you represent it um and i know that there was you know there was a time and place where this stuff wasn't exposed um like it is now but we have to be cognizant of the fact that it as much as we want to be adversarial um and we don't want to bow down we're not bowing down we are helping this continue by being conscientious of how we display what we love
2: totally agree i mean it's a great way to put it too
1: um yeah that's a so it's a slippery slope we're on man
2: it is a slippery slope so so i i i feel like i'm like taking up your whole night here man i uh this, you're actually a lot of fun to talk to. We should do this more often.
1: Let's do it, brother. We can come up with some kind of monthly or something. I enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. Um, yeah, me too. You know, maybe we just tackle current affair or something, you know, something we see. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I have some ideas brewing. Uh, but I have I can't say them because we're on we're on the air here. But uh, I, I should get you involved with that. Yeah, let's go. Uh, because oh, you, you've got you've got really good perspective, and uh, I think you're you're one of those those rare ethical hunters that that actually cares about how hunting, uh, you know, how, what what the future of hunting looks like and how how we're going to get there. Um, and and that's that's important. I think I think a lot of people that you know, more people need to to follow your lead with that. And so I appreciate I appreciate what you do there. And I love your show, dude. I, I love your intro, man. I love your, the intro on your show. Oh, I always get you. so jacked and motivated because <laughs> it's, it's got that cool music, and then you come in with this deep baritone voice. Welcome to Western Hunt. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a, it's it's a cool intro. I I always get so psyched up. I shoot me what you want, man. I hook you up with one. <laughs> do, uh, my, that's
0: great. do my
1: Western Huntsman cameo. Um, hey, there you go. But no, man. I I appreciate the time man um you know when you asked me i was like oh shoot you know this is cool this will be a great time but yeah yeah great conversation fun. um it's yeah super fun yeah if it wasn't good for anybody else sorry it was good for us
2: <laughs> yeah we at least we had fun man <laughs> that's, that's it, all the that matters. that's right it, man. that's right so I want to, I want to get you back on because, um, you're, uh, you're a lot more of a, like a gear junkie than I am. I know very oh, little dude. about this stuff and I want to talk to you about initial ascent. Uh, I want to talk to you about some other, other items that uh, I don't know much about. So we'll have to, we're, we're definitely, we're just going to have to do this again.
1: Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, don't get me going on that. IA. we'd be on another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one thing we do, know. we have in common is Hoffman, man. Uh, Oh man. Is that, Dude. those are the,
2: like the best boots. I
1: love these boots. Dude, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like people don't know. I see, I see people on, uh, we keep talking, we keep hammering at social media. They're talking about the Schnees and the, and, and the tricks and all these other, and they're great boots too, but you don't know what life is like until if, you put your feet you, them. in them. Yeah. These Hoffmans are fantastic. I, did I tell I gotta take uh, Jim Hoffman, the owner, hunting this oh, last did year. You? No
1: way, Jim's a yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's a, a, we went a good dude, man.
2: Yeah, he's a super good dude. Yeah. We we went up on a on an elk hunt back in September. We just did like a, 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 a like a day mm-hmm. up in this spot, and and uh, obviously we we didn't shoot anything, but we had a great time yeah. trying. Nah, we got a couple. We got a couple people out of it.
1: Yeah, that's a, shoot. That's what matters, right? Walking out satisfied. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, those those and, boots you know, he, are something else.
2: I I got a pair of those boots and he actually delivered them that day and and that's one thing that I will say about these Hoffman boots is you do not need to worry about in. some thirty mile break in nope. with these boots.
1: Nope. Put them on you, and go.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not kidding you. You think you were roller skating up and down the mountain with these things? There, I I love these boots. Yep. I and, can't say enough. And this is my second pair.
1: It is. Uh, It is surprising when you put something on like that, right? And and the first time I wore mine, I was going, oh, my feet are, I'm looking at the hill and I'm going, my feet are going to kill me. Dude, we hiked that day and I was like, you know, let's go. (laughs) I think we did six or seven miles. Most of it was uphill and it was just phenomenal. I was so blown away that, I mean, zero, zero need for break-in. It was just unreal, man.
2: there is no break in. No. I think Hoffman and I, I mean, we only did like four and a half miles or four miles or something like that. But like you were saying, it was nasty, North Idaho, brushy, straight up, straight down kind of country. And I I, I just can't, I can't, what gets me with these boots every time is going downhill because downhill is always a challenge for me. I, I was in the Marines and the Marines really beat my knees and my ankles up and I, I get really bad arthritic you know, kind of pain in those joints. And, um, that what, what, what gets me is a way I have to walk to keep myself from falling with my other boots that I've always had. I don't have that problem with these Hoffmans going downhill. You just walk like, like I said, like you're in the park or something. And, uh, I don't slip. I don't fall. They just, they just glue my feet to the mountain. I love them anyway you're, you're I get I get super pumped about these Hoffmans. oh man that's a it's a a wonderful
1: wonderful boot <laughs> yep you know the, yep. It, what's sure. funny is you know because our, our feet are so much different right everybody's feet I mean that you know wide narrow blah 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 and I've put buddies into to five six ten pair whatever it is and everybody has the same reaction you know like this is unbelievable uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know with the toe box. I mean, everything, which ones are you running? Are you running the eight inch or the ten? Yeah,
2: I do the. I, I like the eight inch. Uh-huh. Uh, which ones? What about you? I, I have the eight inch Explorers. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've got. Yeah, I, I, I was actually going to try that new Summit boot yeah. they have in the six inch. <laughs> that's but a good looking I, boot. I, it is a good looking boot, but I already knew that the eight inch Hoffmans were uh, the, the Explorers were like, uh pretty phenomenal because I, I had a pair and I put hundreds of miles on those things. And so I stuck with that. I stuck with like the tried and true for me. But um yeah if anybody's out there listening that is on the fence about what kind of boots to get, uh the, the Hoffman's will actually not cost quite as much as some of the other brands that are not as good as the Hoffman. It's it's a pretty interesting little concept. No, it's a solid it doesn't team. happen very often.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get those I was yeah. planning to get those summits. Um, just to just to wear them, you know, just around mm-hmm. around town kind of boot. And then I was like, oh, we got you know the the hunt expo in February, and unfortunately it got canceled. Heart was broken. Um,
2: yeah, that sucks, dude.
1: But dude, that's a yeah, it's just a solid boot. Shout out to shout out to the uh, the Hoffman family there. I mean, if you lo- you know the whole story behind them, right? The generations of that and how they started yeah. and everything. Oh yeah, Pretty awesome. Yeah, such a cool Super story cool. too.
2: Like Jim Hoffman, he that guy. He's forgotten more about boots than I'll ever know. Uh, He's just he's a guru and he's passionate about them. And so I need to get a pair of insulated for wolf hunting this winter. Um, But uh, I, I just haven't bit the bullet yet. But I will. Just like my initial ascent i'm gonna I'm gonna buy one of those uh, but i'm I'm kind of cheap dude I, I bought this pack a couple years ago that I've been using and and it was an expensive pack and um, I, I need to before I justify a, a an initial ascent um, I have to figure out how to justify it to my wife first so I, I
1: tell you what if you
2: don't try one on then.
1: Because if you put it on, you're done. Because I was That's in the same. That's too late.
2: I already did. Ah. I think. I, I think Michael Batiste. We. Oh, okay. I had Michael Batiste come up north uh-huh. and do this elk calling seminar a couple of years ago, and he had one. Oh. And so I tried his on, and yeah, that was a bad idea, man. Done deal. That that
1: is a phenomenal phenomenal pack system dude it is <laughs> i and and dude i gear junkie out like this has been my best year in probably 10 years as far as purchases um so i've run the gamut of packs and boots and uh, you know it when yeah. you find something you, you stick are with you it. are a
2: legitimate gear junkie man oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've i've noticed i've watched oh, i'm, I'm like damn he's got some nice gear
1: i'm horrible but you know what okay so there, yeah Comfort is is a lot, right? And 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 being having things that allow you to focus on what you're doing, right? It sounds cliche, mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, but it, that's legitimately what the deal is. I'm not gonna go skimp, you know. If you go and get a pair of fifty dollar boots or hundred dollar boots, imagine the 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 havoc that that's going to be on your feet i look at that in every element of it and then you buy something for you know a hundred bucks because you didn't want to spend 300 bucks well then that hundred dollar item lasts you you know maybe a season and you buy something you know you spend the money and you get something for three hundred dollars and it lasts you five six seasons so you know where's the better value over time yeah yeah so that's it's kind of my mindset it really is
2: I, I think I, I and I don't want to quote the prices because I don't know exactly, but the Hoffman eight inch explorers are somewhere around that four hundred dollar mark. Yep, just somewhere under, around there. Yep,
1: four eighty three, I believe. Is that what it is? four
2: eighty three or three eighty three or yeah, three eighty three? Somewhere sorry, around there.
1: Sorry, sorry, three
2: eighty three. just under. I I know the just under four hundred bucks, and the last time I. I bought one of those, those suckers lasted me for five seasons and they would have lasted longer, but I kept drying them out at night around a campfire. And, and I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. And so, yeah, yeah, totally. And, and I know that now, but I, I, you know, I didn't know at the time. And so I was, I, that's what I do. I'd take them off and set them by the fire and let them, let them dry off. Otherwise I'd still be running those same ones. Uh, but, and I put my boots through hell so, uh, yeah, just a, anyway, $50 a year is what's that? That's that's less than $50 a year. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so worth it. It's it, the the initial purchase stings, but, um, it's worth it. So anyway, all right, buddy, let's, let's keep in touch Absolutely, and, uh, man. I, I'd love to, I'd love to get you on again and, and let's do this again. Absolutely.
1: So. My pleasure, man. Cool. It was a great time. I, I appreciate the time.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and for folks in my audience, I'm going to, I'm going to link all of uh, all of guys stuff in the show notes, like the, his website and his podcast and all that kind of stuff. I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's a great show.
1: Thanks. And the same on my end, I'll, I'll be pumping this one up um, on your end, man. I appreciate what you're doing, the message you're spreading. Um, And then, you know, that you, you've had some guys on there that have a knowledge base that is uh, impeccable, man. So I
2: appreciate that. Appreciate brother. that. So good deal. All right, brother. Bye, brother. We'll talk to you
1: soon, Thanks man. Thanks
2: Thank you. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take. With three 6- and 12-month subscription options, use Western Contours at checkout.